We're going to discover that tonight. If you don't know that, you're going to know it by the end of the night. It's not a suggestion that God says, I think you should. God is telling every one of us, you need to forgive. Because forgiveness is a commandment that what? Is going to prove that we truly know God. And that we want to serve Him. Tonight we're going to, I want you to talk to me tonight. Is that okay? Can you talk to me a little bit? We're going to have the mic flying around and, and Trey's going to be flying around and, uh, with the mic. And well, I just want to talk to you tonight. I want you to talk to me. And if we could try and keep our answers short and sweet so everyone could be involved and, uh, and just get involved. But I want to ask a few questions tonight. And as I ask these questions, I want your response. Are you ready? Question number one. When we mention forgiveness, what's the first things that comes to your mind? Come on, when we begin to mention forgiveness. I, I noticed when I mentioned my title, I saw some people kind of shift a little bit in their chairs and they weren't just readjusted and they were like, oh no, here we go again. Come on, when we talk about forgiveness, what's one of the first things, or the lack of it, what's one of the first things that comes to mind? Well, the first thing that came to my mind was the people I'm having trouble forgiving. Okay. Uh, you know, and and there's, there's a short list of that. Cool. And, uh, and it's a problem. Cool. cool. Anyone else? Come on, Melissa. If there's anyone up here, keep your hand up so we can get to you real quick if we can. I think about the few people that's hurt me in the past. And forgiveness is huge, and I was not able to get past that point until I've had God in my life. Okay, cool. So just bring back the memories. I recently have struggled with um, forgiveness, and typically I'm a pretty forgiving person. But um, recently I've discovered that there are certain people in my life that I'm having a hard time. I'm having lots of bitterness toward and lots of unforgiveness. And I've realized that praying for them and truly praying for them and meaning it, at first I didn't mean it, I was just saying it. And so after a while God began to change my heart, and I really meant it, and it's given me freedom. You know, So whatever it does for them, I don't know, but it, it gives me freedom from that. Thanks for preaching my message. You just preached it all. It's good. <laughs> Go ahead. I thought out a, a member of John's family who has lived with unforgiveness for 50 years and won't forgive. And the sad part about it is, is that it becomes a generational thing, that that person wants the children and the grandchildren to not forgive either. Mm. So they're, they're bringing that down, you know, as God says, you know, the things that go from generation to generation, mm. that when you can't forgive... You're passing that on. Wow. And most people want the best for their children. To, to pass unforgiveness to them, it's not something they'd want. Wow, that's, that's an incredible thought that I never really have thought about. And James, you had something you wanted to say? Forgiveness is like uh, when you uh, offend, offend somebody and you ask God, uh, you know, in your prayers, uh, please. For, forgive me for offending anybody that I might have offended. Hmm. Cool. How many would say that the first thing that came to their mind when I said the word about forgiveness and forgiving people was a person or a name? Come on. It's amazing, isn't it? We've got to deal with this. Listen to me. We've got to deal with this because this is very important. Unforgiveness is robbing us from God's best in our lives. And as Denise said, it's not only robbing us, it's going to rob generations. It's going to rob future. How do we deal with forgiveness? Come on, how do you personally, or how do we deal with forgiveness? You know, I know we're in church, but don't get super spiritual on me. I mean, let's just be real tonight. You know, some people get so super spiritual. I mean, just be real. How do we deal with forgiveness? How do we deal 
with that person? How do we deal with all these unforgiveness and things in our lives? Come on, anyone got anything they want to share? Come on, Andrew. Can you turn my mic down a little bit, Fred? Is that cool? Okay. Um, forgiveness in, in itself is a very difficult thing. And forgiveness that I have found is something that is really a daily walk. It's not something, in a lot of instances, you know, most people can say, well, I've forgiven this person for what this person has done to me. Unfortunately, there are times in our lives where that person isn't going to go anywhere. And so, especially if they don't have the Lord, there are times where that forgiveness is really, it's a daily forgiveness. And as far as how to do it, the one thing that I've learned is I can't do it on my own and that I have to ask God. And I, and I have to be honest. I mean, honest with myself, honest with the Lord, that, Lord, I want to forgive and I need your help to be able to forgive. Cool. Awesome. Miss Kay? Going along with what Andrew said, um, the Lord has kind of taught me to do what she said and then to go one step further to do something nice for the other a scripture heaping coals on their heads so you know baking them something taking them something you know continuing it put the you know it's on their their hands then and so I've gotten it off me and blessed them and Whenever I think about uh, unforgiveness, I have this image in my, in my mind. I mean, especially knowing the Word of God. It's like somebody carrying a big load. He's carrying a heavy load, and someone drives by with a pickup truck. And they say, hey, why don't you put the load in the truck and be free? And he say, I don't want to do it. Go ahead, Ms. Denise. Besides asking God to help you forgive, I found that you have to pray for that person to be blessed. Cool. And, you know, one of the hardest times I ever had to do that was at 9-11, was to pray for the people who drove the airplanes and the yeah. towers. If they needed God's forgiveness, they needed our forgiveness. Okay. Why is it so hard to forgive? Anyone, why is it so hard to forgive? I know, I know in my life, having very close family, that I had to really forgive that when you're ready to move on and really forgive, it's going to bring up a lot of hurt and pain. And sometimes it's maybe it's just easier to have unforgiveness than it is to actually forgive someone because you're actually going to have to take a step and, and realize that hurt and pain and you have to deal with it. And I think sometimes we, in my life, I just struggled to forgive because... I knew that I was just going to really have to come to terms and accept what happened and then forgive them. Um, I believe it's, it's, it's because we don't really transform our mind. And everything that goes on, it always begins in our mind. And uh, when we fill ourselves with the Word of God, because he said the Word is what's going to transform our minds. So when we do that, it, it's easier to forgive because it be our natural mind that we cannot let go of that hurt and that pain. And once we fill our mind, let God transform our mind through the Word. When we fill ourselves with the Word, the Word will exude from us. And therefore, forgiveness will become easy. But that's why it's so hard. It's because of our mind. 
good. It's not easy to forgive, is it? Come on. Come on, anyone else, why it's hard to forgive? A long time ago, there used to be a, a, a psychologist on the radio, and some of you may know who I'm talking about, and I'm sure the younger people don't. It's Laura Schlesinger. And uh, I remember uh, one time uh, another church that I went to, the guy, the, the pastor, uh, mentioned her name from the pulpit and called her that terrorist uh, psychologist on the radio. <laughs> but she said something, and, and I'll never forget it, and I, and I, I clung to it for so long, and I'm, I'm t- maybe I'm still clinging to it, but she said there had to be a criteria for forgiveness. And so that made me think, well, yeah, you really need a criteria to forgive somebody. They have to do something, you know. They have to try to make amends or, do, you know. And the truth of the matter is, and I'm thinking about the guy that's on top of the list, and uh, we won't go into it, but, uh, you know, when I think about him, I get upset. I'm sure when he thinks about me, he probably doesn't care, and he probably doesn't think about me very much. So it's not a deal for him. It's a deal for me. It's not. It's my problem. It's not his problem. And uh, so the criteria doesn't rest with him. You know, Laura, Dr. Laura was wrong. Uh, uh, the, the criteria for forgiveness is in me and in my heart. And even it goes even one step further than that. It's not just in you and your heart, it's in God's word. And that's what we've got to understand is the criteria for forgiveness is God says to forgive. End of story. And, and that's the reality of it. Megan? Um, I kind of echoing a bit what Bishop was saying, but... Um, I think sometimes it's hard for us to forgive because we feel as though some, someone else owes us something, you know, and it's almost like when you really forgive, it's right in a way the, what someone else is indebted to you and not holding it against them. And I was listening to a message a couple years ago, and um, she was talking in the message, she was talking about how, you know, her husband had cheated on her with a lot of her friends, and God had brought her to a place, you know, where she was on her face before God just repenting and saying I'm sorry and he said you have to forgive and she didn't want to forgive because you know it's like you can say oh I forgive but then you know it's always on top of your mind always on your conversation every time you call he said every time that you do that and you don't forgive and you don't hold on it's like you're going to a dead carcass and just eating off that dead carcass and like that's what buzzards do it's like what God's called us to rise up like wings of eagles you know and we have to let go of that and just release it and when we get to the place where we can forgive someone and we don't feel that they owe something to us then we really know that that's whenever we've really truly forgiven kind of like what uh, bishop said we got that those on that big pile and i catch myself picking and choosing who i want to forgive a lot of times we Somebody, he's By the way, if you didn't hear that in the mic, Dan said most of the time he didn't. A lot of times we say, oh, man, I just can't stand that person. Or, boy, that person really gets under my skin. You know, a lot of times that person don't even know it, that you don't like him. And what it does, it, it eats on you, and you're the, one, you're the real loser by just saying, hey, you know, I don't like that person. That person don't know you don't like him. You know, it's just something. So you need to just get it out of your head, you know. Hey, I love everybody. Yeah, um. I also know this about unforgiveness. Every time you think about that person or the name is mentioned and you feel that thing rising within you, there is some bile in the body that comes out, but it's secreted every time you have that feeling. And what it does is it just poisons your whole body, and eventually 
is going to lead to all kinds of diseases. That's right. That's why the word of God is so pure and so true. That's right. That's right. If you want to know if you've really forgiven someone, be in a room with that person. Or let someone start talking about them because we can say we've forgiven them but as soon as someone starts talking about them all of a sudden, like Phil says, something begins to rise and begins to happen inside of us. Come on, do you want? Do I have a witness in the house? And something all of a sudden and then we push it aside and say, oh, that's only natural. That's how everyone should do it. It's not natural. It's not right. We should be able to talk about, should be able to be around people without it because why? Because we're going to find out it's God that's got to give us the strength and help us to do this. God's not going to do it. You have to do it, but God will give you the strength. Remember this, I think one of the greatest things, and it's something that I've taught and preached here, I think one of the greatest thoughts that I've ever had on forgiveness is, it's my responsibility. It's not their responsibility, it's my responsibility. Why? Because I am responsible before God to forgive them no matter what they choose to do. I believe Megan and just different ones said, you know, we want them to suffer. We want them to go through things. We want them to feel the pain and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? How much pain do we want them to feel? Is it ever going to be enough? How much do we want to see them suffer? I read a story of a, a young man who his sister was sexually abused by a gentleman that they knew in the family. And, and for years he carried this burden and he, and he just wanted to see this guy suffer. And one day he found out that this guy, I think it was, had terrible palsy. And he was like, yes, yes, he got what he deserves. And God took him to the woodshed and challenged him. And really challenged him. And said, is that what he deserves? Maybe that's what you deserve. Maybe that's what everyone deserves. And God challenged him and we're going to look at that. Is it important then to forgive? Come on, how many would agree it's important to forgive? Come on, do I have any no importance? Everyone agrees it's important to forgive. Thanks, Troy. I may need you again in a few minutes. Here's the reality when it comes to forgiveness. The reality is this. We all know we should. And if you don't know that you should by the end of tonight, you definitely will. We all know we should. And we all know that really we are required, not really, we are required to forgive. It's a commandment of God. But yet still, we convince ourselves that we have the exception to the rule. Yes, it's right to forgive, however, <laughs> they just don't know what I'm dealing with. They just don't know what this person... We always think we're the exception to the rule. Can I tell you there are no exceptions to this rule or principle? There are exceptions, but they're not God exceptions. They're what we've taken on, and like Phil said, they're going to destroy it. They are absolutely going to destroy us. Listen, it's not enough to forgive even most of the time. We have to forgive all of the time. We must forgive no matter what. And you know, I know it's hard. When I talk on subjects like this, I know because I face these struggles too. I know what I'm talking about. God has to first minister to me before I can preach to you. And I'm telling you, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive. It's maybe easy to forgive someone who's just done something little, but come on, we've got some deep wounds. Some of us have been wounded by people that we didn't even put our guards up because we never even expected. It's amazing, in the armour of God, it talks about the breastplate, the helmet, the feet, the belt. It doesn't mention anything about back. Why? Because as Christians, we're supposed to have each other's back, but man, we've had each other's back in the wrong way. Come on, when a lot of Christians hug you and they're patting you on the back, they're not embracing you, they're feeling the soft spots. So they can drive a knife into you. It's hard. It's hard to forgive. But let me tell you this, it's not impossible. And we must forgive. Because if we don't forgive, 
Unforgiveness will begin to manifest itself in our life and it will become bitterness. It will become bitter in our lives. Every one of us in here has been betrayed in some shape or form. We've been disappointed. We've been hurt by others around us. Some more seriously than others. Maybe someone told a secret that you told them in confidence. Maybe someone cheated you out of money. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone abused you. I read some statistics yesterday that I've just got to throw in that absolutely blew me away and shocked me and almost terrified me as a parent. You know, statistics today say this, that one in three young girls in America will be sexually abused. One in four young boys in America will be sexually abused in some shape or form. That terrifies me. That scares me. I look and I think, my God, what an awful world we live in. We're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. We're living in rough times. We're living in the end days. I mean, that's unreal to think that if there's 30 little girls in our Sunday school class, in our children's church, that at least 10 of them, they say statistically, are going to be sexually abused. Well, listen, let me tell you, for one thing, in my home and in this church, I'm claiming that we're going to see protection over all our children and that's not going to be a statistic that happens in this place. Come on. I'm believing God for that. I'm pleading that over my children and I encourage you to do the same over yours. But we've all found our feelings trampled by someone else who we loved and whom we trusted. But you see, we've got to watch those feelings because if those feelings are left alone and not handled, they will fester and become bitterness. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would, and verse 5. Hebrews 12 and verse 15, sorry. Hebrews 12 and verse 15 says these words. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Listen to these words. Lest any root of bitterness our deepest Christian relationships. A bitter root comes when we allow disappointment to grow into resentment or when we nurse grudges over past hurts that we have experienced. The root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. You see, the root of bitterness will grow in the soil of hurt. Hurt that has not been dealt with properly or really what I mean by that is forgiveness. That hasn't been forgiven. But the root doesn't just grow any place. The Bible tells us that this root grows inside of our hearts. It's a root that will grow inside of our heart. It's like a virus in a computer. God forbid if you've ever had a virus on your computer, but... An, Ultimately, it's going to shut everything down. It's going to corrupt every file. It's going to erase the hard drive. It's going to cause problems that everything was shut down, that you won't even be able to power up eventually your computer. That's what bitterness is. It's a virus that will attach itself, destroying every part. I want you to think about a root, if you would, naturally today. What does a root in, in nature what does it do? What is its function? What is its purpose? A root is something that absorbs 
and it's something that stores. Mr. Huss was telling me the other day that he was trying to dig a hole in his backyard and he'd never tried to dig through such hard soil and he found out the reason why was there was a big tree nearby. And the roots of that tree went right under where he was about to dig. And the reason the ground was so hard was because that tree or that root had absorbed and taken every bit of moisture out of that soil right there to store it up for that tree. So we know that a root absorbs and it stores. Now think about that root being bitterness how it absorbs and it stores up all the hurt, all the pain, all the anger, all the hatred and the thoughts of revenge. Because you see, the root of bitterness thrives on that stuff. It has to have it to survive. If it doesn't have those things, it's not going to survive. In other words, the root of bitterness inside of us only grows when we choose to feed it when we choose to give it that which it needs. The Bible tells us that love keeps no record of wrong. Isn't that incredible? The Bible keeps no record of wrong. In fact, the scripture in 1 Peter 4, 8, I believe it says, love covers a multitude of sins. There's sin, there's problems, but you know what? Love covers them. Love doesn't keep a tab of all the wrongs that people have done. Love forgives. But listen to me, bitterness keeps detailed accounts. How do I know that? Because as soon as I asked, all of a sudden a name or a person came straight to you and you know past that person's name, past that person, what they did, how they did it, when they did it, how much they still owe, what's going... Come on! Bitterness keeps every detail. Doesn't forget it. Every detail is present. But what will those details do? What will that bitterness grow and do? It wants to consume us. It wants to take over us. But listen, a root doesn't just stop at absorbing and storing. It absorbs and it stores for a purpose. And the reason it absorbs and the reason it stores is because it wants to grow into a shoot which will eventually become a tree. Well, I can control the bitterness. I can control the unforgiveness. No, you can't. Because it's going to start sucking you dry inside. Why? And then it's going to start overgrowing every other part of your life. That's why Hebrews 12 and verse 15, the last part of that verse says, it will cause trouble and defile many. You know one thing about bitterness? It's easy to justify. It's really easy to justify the reason why we're bitter. I said it's really easy to justify why we are bitter. To give reasons why we should hold on to it. Well, I've been wronged. I have every right to feel this way. But the longer we allow bitterness to stay, the harder it is going to be for us to remove it. Never impossible, but it's going to grow. It's going to grow. But if we're going to kill bitterness, therefore, we must kill it from the root. 
We can't just deal with the symptoms. We've got to root it out. You can take a weed eater and you can whack down the weeds, but I'm telling you, they grow a whole lot faster than your grass and they're going to be right back. If you get down and pull it up by the roots, it loses its ability to be able to grow once again. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, if you would, and verse 31 and 32. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32. It says this, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor or loud quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you. Say that with me. Put away from you. Say it with me. Put away from you with all malice or all malicious behaviour. That means those, those words there, put away from you, literally means to take away, to carry off, to lift from the ground, to remove and take up. So when it says to put away from you, it's not put on a shelf and storing that one day you can go back to it. It means literally to lift up, to remove, to take out. So what it means is, let all these things, as bitterness and all these things, they've got to be completely uprooted in your life. What does it say then in verse 32? And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, what? Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the Bible says we've got to get rid of bitterness and the only way we can get bitterness or get rid of bitterness is to have forgiveness in our lives. Forgiveness has to be received, but forgiveness must also be passed on. What do you mean? Every one of us are here because of the forgiveness of God. Even as Christ forgave us, as we have received forgiveness, our responsibility is also to pass it on. To forgive is the only way that we're going to kill that feeling, that hurt, that pain, that bitterness. It's the only way that we're going to get rid of it is to forgive. Listen to this story. It's a medieval story. And I believe it captures the manner in which bitterness will hold you as a prisoner. Long ago, two monks were travelling and approached an unusually rough river. Standing alone on the bank was a woman who approached the monks and asked if they could carry her across so she could return to her home and her family. Knowing it was forbidden to touch a woman, one of the monks quickly looked the other way, ignoring her request for help. The other monk, however, feeling compassion for this desperate lady, decided to bend the rules. Breaking tradition, he lifted her in his arms and carried her safely across the rushing water. Exceedingly grateful, the lady thanked the helpful monk and left for her home. The two monks continued on their journey. After miles of silence, the first monk finally said with disgust, I can't believe you picked up that woman. You know we're not supposed to touch the opposite sex. The compassionate second monk replied, I put her down miles ago, yet you still continue to carry her 
in your heart. Pretty powerful. Think about that. I put her down miles ago. But you still are choosing to carry her in your heart. That's bitterness. I said, that's bitterness. That's bitterness. You've got to destroy the root of that because we're carrying something in our hearts that has no business to be there. Remember what I mentioned about justification? That we try to justify our unforgiveness? Well, there is nowhere in God's Word does He give us the right to justify our hurt and our forgiveness or unforgiveness. But let's look quickly at what God's Word says we must do. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says these words. Jesus speaking on the Sermon of the Mount. He says, Have you heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbour and you shall hate your enemy? Verse 44, But Jesus said, I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Sorry folks, if you're looking for justification, you're not going to find it in God's Word. I said, sorry guys, you're not going to find it in God's Word. Because God says, hey, if someone's wronged you, if someone abused you, if someone stole from you, if someone's mistreated you, whatever they have done in word, action, deed, whatever it may be, God says, you've got to love them. You've got to forgive them no matter what. You've got to do good to them. Miss Kay said that. I go a step further because the Bible says in doing so, you heap coals of fire upon their head. There is no justification that we can find in God's Word why we should hold on to unforgiveness in our lives. The only reason we hold on to it is because we choose to. We won't find reason, no matter what's been done, what's been said, we will not find reason. Dr. Laura, you're wrong. No matter what, we've got to love them But look what else it says we've got to do. The Bible says we've got to pray for them. Oh yeah, I'll pray for them all right. You bet I'll pray for them. I'll pray that their car breaks down. I pray that their business fails. I pray that this, I pray that that. Oh man, you better believe I'll call a prayer meeting for that. Come on, we're all going to pray. We've got the whole church praying for them. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of prayer that God is talking about. That's not what God is talking about. You know what the prayer that God is talking about? Listen to me, and if you're taking notes tonight, you need to take notes in church. Please, get a notepad and a pen. Take notes in church. But you know what you pray for those people? This is what you pray. You pray that the same grace and forgiveness that has been afforded to you, in other words, given to you, will be the same grace and forgiveness that God will also give to them. That's what you pray. That's what you pray. Because as long as you don't pray that, you hold on to that person. But once we release them and begin to pray, come on, God then can begin to deal and can begin to work in the situation. 
Trey said it's so right. It's easier to not forgive someone than having to deal with it. But let's tell you something. Deal with it because it's a lot better than having to live with it. Come on, no one wants the surgeon's knife. But let me tell you something. If there's a cancer, you've got to cut it out. If not, it's going to kill you. We don't like the surgeon's knife. It's going to be pain. We're going to have to have some rehab and have to be in hospital, have stitches and and all these things. We may have to take time off work. There's things that happen, but you know what? It's a whole lot better than if that thing is not removed that will kill us and destroy us. Remember what we just talked of in Ephesians 4 and verse 32. It says, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Listen to me. Listen to me good tonight. Kayla said this. She stole my message tonight. When you pray for them, it may not change them. They may not change. But when you pray for them, you'll change. Why? Because when you begin to pray for them, even if the prayer doesn't change them, the prayer you pray will begin and will change you. And you know what will happen when you're changed? Your prayer will change. What do you mean by that? Come on, baby steps. We're just praying that God would just bless them. But you know what will happen as God begins to work in our lives as we've released them? We'll begin to pray that the blessings of God will begin to name blessings over them. We'll ask for prosperity in their lives. We'll, be, we'll begin to pray in a different way. Why? Because we are changed by the prayer that we pray on behalf of those people. Colossians 3 verse 13. We're really getting down to it now. It's a Fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Colossians 3 verse 13 says this. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. That word forgiving there means to to do a favour, to show kindness unconditionally, giving freely, to grant forgiveness. Forgive freely. It's the same root word as grace. Did you realise that? Forgiveness is the same root word as grace. That the Bible says that we must forgive one another. Listen to what it says. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Remember when I told you at the beginning that forgiveness is a commandment? You just heard it right there. That God says, just as you were once forgiven, you must forgive too. If anyone has a complaint, you've got to forgive. But how did he say we're to forgive? We're to forgive as he forgave. Do you know how God forgave? No strings attached. Come on now. Dr. Laura, you're really wrong. No strings attached. He forgave us that way, didn't he? God didn't say, I'll forgive you if you know you keep doing this and doing that. We know that we can forfeit that forgiveness and we can choose to neglect that. But the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We're fools to do that. But the reality is God's not just given it to us and ready to take it back. If he, he never takes it back, we're the ones that surrender it. But the fact is, when He forgives us, there's no strings attached. It's just like He says, if you want wisdom, I'll give it to you liberally. What does that mean? I'll give you everything you need because my God, He's saying you need it. 
God's not withholding from you. No good thing will He withhold. There's a command there to forgive those in the same way God has forgiven us. Remember the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Wow. So I'm asking for forgiveness for my trespasses. But God says, you better forgive those who have trespassed against you because without that, you're not going to find true forgiveness. You see, today we have a choice. We can either please God or we can hold on to our unforgiveness, bitterness and hatred. But what's going to be the results of that? Come on, quickly think about that. What is the results of if we choose to forgive and live a life pleasing to God? Come on, what's some of the results that's going to happen? Are we going to be miserable and depressed and downcast? I mean, what happens as we please God? Peace, blessings, come on. I mean, God works in our lives. Come on, He's right there to work with us. So we know that we have a choice, but if we choose to do it God's way, there's going to be blessings that's going to come. But what happens tonight if I hold on to hatred? What's going to happen to me? Going to be miserable? Miss my blessing? Sorry? Sickness? Starve? Stress? I don't like those things. Anyone? I don't want those things. But listen to this. We must make the decision to forgive people based upon our choice to follow God's word. What do you mean by that, Pastor Philip? Because if we're trying to forgive people or make a decision to forgive people based upon whether we feel like it or not, we're probably never going to do it. Because when we really sit down and begin to think about it, our mind's going to talk us out of it because we're going to remember again how bad they really were and how much that pain really hurt. You and I have got to make a decision to forgive people according to God's Word. And God's Word says we must, so therefore we have to. It's not about our feelings. At the end of the day, we don't walk by feelings or shouldn't. The Bible says we've got to walk by faith. It's the problem with too many of us. We're too feeling-led. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like... You better watch. I said, you better watch. You need to make your decisions based upon God's Word. And God's Word has clearly told us tonight, and no one can deny it, God's Word has clearly told us we've got to forgive, and we don't only got to forgive, we've got to forgive as He forgave us with no strings attached. We've got to forgive them even if they don't deserve it. Again, you may try to find all the reasons to avoid forgiveness, but remember this, if you don't forgive, you'll live with its effects. Or you can trust in God to give you the strength to battle through your feelings of anger, hatred, revenge and bitterness. You see, we've got to go back to the cross. We've got to take all these things back to the cross. We've got to go back and take all these things back to the place where God forgave you and I totally. Because it's there and only there by faith that we can find the ability and strength to forgive those who have wronged us. Oh, they're wrong. 
I said they're wrong, but so are you. So am I. If we hold on to those things. We've got to get rid of all roots. We've got to kill unforgiveness before it destroys you. Don't continue to carry like that monk something than someone that was put down miles ago. Don't continue to carry that person or that thing in your heart. I'm telling you to truly know God and truly want to be pleasing to God. We've got to know what it is to truly forgive. We say we believe God but yet we won't forgive. You're a liar. And the truth is not in you. It's not Philip's words. That's God's words. We've got to forgive. Our lives are depending upon it. Because as long as we don't forgive, we are attaching ourselves to that person. And we will never be free. We will never be free. But the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's freedom in God's Word. You know, tonight I'm not belittling the wound that has been dealt to you. I'm not belittling the fact of the hurt that you've had to endure, perhaps from someone who's been very close to you. But I'm telling you right now, there's freedom and there's liberty in God. And God will give you the strength that you may not be able to pray, as I said, a long prayer at first, but just begin to pray that God would touch their lives. Just begin to pray that God would bring them to that place. You know why we should pray for our enemies? Because we should pray for our enemies to get saved because then they'll no longer be our enemies. Pray that God will save them. Pray that the same grace and mercy that God has given to you the same grace and mercy that he'll give to you. Come on, it's time to forgive. Come on. If you leave here tonight with the reason why you should hold on to unforgiveness, then you certainly haven't heard a word that has been said. And don't remember my words, please remember his words. Because he says, it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. And I've learnt this from reading His Word and in my life, that when I live by His commandments, there's blessing. There's future. There's well-being. Would you stand here? I'd like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.